Awesome. Atamari. Good to go to our church. Welcome out, everybody, this morning. It's so good to be here with you at uh, Elam Christian Center, Manurewa Campus. The best campus of the lot, I reckon. The best looking bunch. Now, it's so good to be able to be here. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is um, Steve Green. I'm the senior pastor of Elam Christian Center. So I kind of look after all of our campuses and uh, all the different eight locations. So it's been a bit of a, a challenge this year to try and get to everybody. Um, uh, I've been also doing a lot of um, travel, just visiting our missions partners across the world. So um, it's, since COVID, we haven't been able to get there. So it's been uh, a bit of a challenge to get here, but we're here. And we're going to have a good time. We had a great time in our first service and I'm so blessed to be able to come and share the Word of God with you guys. And I want to first and foremost just honour your amazing campus pastors, Don and Hayley Lafayette. Amazing people. Love these guys so much. And I also want to just say a big public thank you to Kaylin. Uh, Kaylin spent the last two months looking after our Pukekohe campus, doing a great job out there. And uh, well, uh, uh, Daryl and Denise have been on sabbatical leave. He's been here and uh, he's been there and just done a phenomenal job. The church has grown out there while Caitlin was there. So we almost told Daryl and Denise, hey, don't come back. Just, <laughs> just stay away. Let, him, let it run. Uh, but no, it's, it's so cool. It's so great to see amazing leaders coming through and um, just seeing more and more people step up for the call of God, uh, which is just super encouraging. I want to also encourage you to come out tonight to the 5 p.m. panel because um, Mental Health Awareness Week, we, we kind of lean into this as a church. We really feel like God has um, called us and positioned us to speak into this space and, and to, to hold this space as a church because I think historically um, the church hasn't done a wonderful job in the area of mental health. And so we're wanting to just open up the conversation, have a dialogue and just um, really start to unpack a little bit more of this whole area of mental health. And, you know, for me, as personally, I've, I've journeyed through pretty severe anxiety and depression in my life. And so I know the power of just walking this journey with people and helping them find freedom that God has for them. So this could be a a great next step in your discipleship journey is actually to come and hear what these guys have to say and the heart of God in the midst of some of the pain that we walk through. Amen. We are all a little bit broken and that's all right. God's in the business of healing and fixing and mending and growing and redeeming and re restoring. I want to preach a message. Oh, welcome. Also guests. If you're here for the first time, welcome. Um, you have the uh, amazing blessing of hearing me on your first Sunday. So, you know, not everyone gets it, but you guys do. And by the way, up the waz. Still. Otherwise, I'm going to preach a message. Uh, if, if that offends you, this probably isn't the church for you. I'm just going to say, we release you to the wider body of Christ. Otherwise, okay, I'm, I'm going to preach a message called Wearing Stones. Wearing Stones. It comes out of the book of Exodus, chapter 28. So if you've got a Bible, grab Exodus, um, chapter 28 out. It's going to come up on the screen as well. Uh, but Exodus 28, there's this really um, interesting dialogue that's going on where God is giving instruction to the nation of Israel about building the tabernacle, the temple, the place of worship. And around that, he also gives instruction for what the priest is supposed to wear. There is a priestly dress code written in the Bible. How many know that dress codes are important? And I know that it's, uh, you know, I'm breaking a few traditional dress codes today by wearing a hat in church. Um, but for me, uh, for those who do know my story, I have a balance disorder which um, means that I'm really sensitive to light and things and it can mess me up a little bit. So this is kind of like a medical aid for me. So it sort of blocks away some light. So the Lord took away my hair, but gave me a hat. So <laughs> praise God, Don, praise God. But we're actually wearing a hat makes this part of my job about 50% easier and makes me way less fatigued and way less tired. It means I can do what God's called me to do uh, with a little bit more comfort. But praise God and my weakness is made strong. Amen. So... This is dress code. I got invited a couple of years ago to a 
watch the Blues play uh, at Eden Park from a corporate box. I had a friend who called me up, he said, Steve, I've got a, a, a ticket to the corporate box. Do you want to come with me? I said, brother, you had me at hello. You know? So I go along and I, and I arrive at his house because we're going to travel together. And as I get to his house, he is wearing a full suit, a full suit to go to this corporate box. I'm wearing jeans and a jumper. That's what I'm wearing. And I said, brother, do I need to get changed? Like, am I okay in this? Because you're really dressed up. He said, no, 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 you're all good. This is just for me. I've got like a role there, so I have to dress up. But you're all good. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You're all good. You're all good. Well, we get to the corporate box. Guess what? Every single man in that room is wearing a blazer. Every man, except this guy. So everyone is looking real sharp and real nice. And here's me looking straight out of the Kmart catalog. That's what I... That's what I look like. And so it's, it, I'm like, man, dude, you didn't, tell, you didn't tell me there was a dress code. Turns out that corporate box has a dress code. And the dress code is all men have to wear blazers. And here's me in a jumper and jeans. I was so angry at my friend. I was like, dude, why didn't you tell me there was a dress code? It gets worse. About halfway through the game, a plethora of rugby royalty walks into our corporate box. I'm talking ex-All Blacks, current All Blacks, ex uh, all black uh, coaches, a knight of the realm. There is the current all blacks coach. They all walk in the room and here am I in a jumper and jeans in a box that requires a suit. How many know dress codes are important? Nothing worse than showing up underdressed. But there's also nothing worse than showing up overdressed. You don't want to always be the best one in the room, you know? You want to fit in a little bit. Dress codes help you do that. And as God is giving instruction to the priest for his role, he gives them a dress code. The dress code is quite specific. It's quite interesting. There's a breast piece. There's, a, uh, there's, a, there's an ephod. There's uh, a turban he's supposed to wear. I say bring back the holy turban, Don. I think you'd look great in a holy turban. There's gemstones. There's all kinds of things. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we do dress Don up in a turban, although I would pay money for that. <laughs> But what I'm saying is in Revelation 1.6, the Bible says that we are all now in Christ. If you're in Jesus, we're all priests and kings unto God. We're all priests. And as I read through this chapter in Exodus 20, uh, 28, I realized that there's some beautiful imagery in what the priests had to wear, which can actually inform and help us to understand how God is calling us to live as priests unto Him. And I want to explore this a little bit today. And I want to explore it by asking you three simple questions. Are you ready? All right, you want to take some notes. If you want to get to heaven, take notes. I'm not saying that's biblical. I just wouldn't risk it though. Number one, here's a question. What names are you carrying? What names are you carrying? See, one of the first things that the uh, priest is instructed to do is he's instructed to take two onyx stones. Take these two stones and on those stones, write the 12 names of the tribes of Israel on those stones, six on one, six on the other. And then those stones are to be set on the shoulders of the garment of the priests. Pick it up here. You shall enclose them in settings of gold filigree, and you shall set the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for remembrance. For remembrance. Like these stones were a reminder, but a reminder of what? I don't know if you have this friend, I've got many friends like this, that um, yeah, is me just talking about like I've got many friends. I've got a couple. I've got, I've got some friends. Okay, one. But you may have a friend 
that loves to make everything about themselves. You know that friend? They're just like, no matter what moment you have, they'll make it about themselves. Like, you hurt yourself, like, oh, I hurt my thumb. They're like, well, let me tell you about my knee. You get sick, you're like, oh, I've got the flu. And they're like, oh, let me tell you about the flu from 1974. That was a doozy. That was a hard one. You know, you get married and they start telling you all about their wedding day. You go on holiday, they pull out their own photos of their own holiday trips. It's that second cousin ladies that shows up to your wedding in a white dress. It's like I'm saying up the wires. Next minute you're going to bring the Samoan flags back into church and be like, hey, it's not about you. Stop making it all about yourself, all right? All blacks start losing. Next minute all the South Africans like, yo, but the spring box are liquor. You know, like, it's not about you. Just calm down. We love to make everything about ourselves. And when God instructs the creation of this garment that the priest is to wear, he instructs that the names of the tribes of Israel are written on the shoulders and they're written there for remembrance. And they're there to remind the priest that he's not there for himself. As a priest, he's not going before God for his own interest, his own wants, his own desires, his own preference, his own flourishing, his own betterment. He's actually going before God for the betterment and flourishing and benefit of those whose names he carries. They're to remind the priest, hey, you're not coming to me for you. You're coming to me for those I've asked you to carry. And when I think about my own life, I think, man, whose names are written on my shoulders? My wife, my kids, my friends, my colleagues, my my church family, the names that I carry. God has called me to give my life to serve the people who's called me to carry, not to serve myself. Matthew 20, Jesus puts it like this. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever will be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Church, the more I go on this journey with Jesus, the more I'm convinced it's not about me. The more I'm convinced that God has called me not to better my own self or be after my own interest, or I don't go to Him just so God would bless me, but I go to God because I want Him to use my life to benefit and bless and encourage and stir up and grow the names that He has called me to carry. These stones, that they remind us that we're not here for our own agenda. We're called to give our lives for the betterment of those whose names we carry. So my question is, whose names do you carry? Whose names do you carry? As you go before God and as you serve Him, you seek Him and you follow Him, whose names are you carrying? Because it's not about you. It's not about, as a priest, it's about the names that you carry before God and the people that you serve. It's not about us. What an encouraging word this morning. It's not about you. right? That's all right, I'll be God. But Don will be back next week. It'll be encouraging. <laughs> what did you say? It will get worse. Oh, it'll get worse. Oh, yeah. It'd be better if you had the turban on. But Number two, here's the second question. What has God laid on your heart? What has God laid on your heart? We go forward into verse 15. You're to make an embroidered breast piece for the making decisions. Make it with the same workmanship as the ephod. It must be square and folded, double, nine inches long, nine inches wide. Sounds like my wife telling me how to do laundry. <laughs> Place a setting of gemstones on it, four rows of stones. Verse 21, the 12 stones are to correspond to the names of Israel's sons. Each stone must be engraved like a seal with the names of the 12 tribes. 
Whenever he enters the sanctuary, Aaron is to carry the names of Israel's sons over his heart on the breastpiece for decisions as a continual reminder before the Lord. For decisions as a reminder before the Lord. Uh, I got saved in 2001. 2001, I met Jesus. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't uh, read the Bible. We didn't go to church as a family. I didn't know about God, but I met God in a radical way. That's a whole other story. But God transformed my life in 2001. And straight away, I began to get involved with a friend of mine who ran a youth club. And the youth club was called Campus Life. There might be some old enough in the room to remember Campus Life run by Youth for Christ. And we had a Campus Life Club in his basement on a Thursday evening. And I just started getting involved and helping run the club. And we just had all these community kids that would come out to club every week. And we'd encourage them, we'd tell them about Jesus, we'd preach to them, we'd we'd help them with their life and whatever they were going through. And we just gave our lives to really outreach to these young people who were just far from God. They were pretty much my people. Like There were kids that were like me that were far from God, didn't grow up in church, but they came along to this club and it was an awesome, awesome time. But throughout that time, I started really getting plugged into church because I just, I got saved at our botany campus and I just, man, I just fell in love with God and, and His church and I just wanted to be part of it. And, and what a joy to know that I was your youth pastor. How lovely is that? I was also Haley's. I always claim this, but Haley got, Haley got saved when we were youth pastors. So just going to throw it out there again. Um, what a joy, but we got involved and in, started getting involved in the youth ministry and stuff there. And what happened was like, I had this heart for what we're doing with the club on Thursday nights, but then my heart really started to shift and I had all these young guys in church who I was just like, man, my heart is just so for them. And God began to lay the names of these kids on my heart. There was Tim and Ash and Ashford and Daniel and Jason and Jake. And there's all these kids. And I, I realized that there was a whole bunch of young people in church that knew about God, but didn't know God. And I'd talk to them, I'm like, man, you guys know all about God, but you don't really know Him. And I know Him. And I don't know much about Him, but I know Him because I only just got saved. But I want to help you to know Him like I know Him and help you grow in God and Him. And and, and my heart just began to shift. And I had to have this conversation with my mentor and say, I've got to pull out of doing this club thing with you because, man, God has just laid this on my heart. And and he didn't understand it. He's like, but Steve, those are church people. You're not a church people. Like you got saved out of the world. Like these are your people. I said, I know, but I can't escape this. This is like, these guys are on my heart. And so I I left the, the club thing on Thursday nights and began to like serve like crazy with youth ministry. And that began this wild journey within like six months I was on staff with the church I began serving youth ministry did that for eight years and then fast forward a number of more years and here I am today senior pastor of the church all because God laid some names on my heart so the question is friends who has God laid on your heart what's written over your heart maybe God has put on your heart the poor the lost, the broken, the lonely. Maybe God has put the people who are living in their car, out of their cars and vans and hotels. Maybe God has put on your heart the solo mums. Maybe God has put on your heart the elderly who are living alone and isolated in retirement villages. Maybe God has put a nation on your heart. Maybe He's put another city outside of this country on your heart. Maybe He's put Hamilton on your heart or a people group or a tribe or a different a, a different region or something. Maybe something like that is on your heart. Maybe it's young people. Maybe you've got a heart for youth and you want to just see them grow in God. Who has God laid on your heart? I'm talking at a broad sense, like who's God laid on your heart? Because for me, God has laid the church on my heart. That's like everything I do is for this. God's laid uh, the church on my heart and I can't escape it. But I'm talking at the big scale, but I'm also talking at the daily scale. 
as you go to meet with God as a priest unto him, who's God laying on your heart? Yeah. There's nothing more encouraging than getting that text message from a friend who said, hey, bro, I was just, I was just with God this morning and he put you on my heart. And I just want to encourage you and let you know I love you, I believe in you, and God, God wants to bless you today. And I'm like, wow, God put my name on someone's heart. And I love when God does that for me as well. And I get names, and I'm like, hey, I just shoot a message. Hey, bro, I've been praying for you today, thinking of you. God loves you. Whatever you need, i got you back. You know, encourage people. Why? Because God wants to put names on your heart. And the names written on this ephod, the Bible says that they're there for decisions. They were there for the purpose of decisions. What that means is that the decisions that you make are determined by what God lays on your heart. So where you go and what you do and how you live your life is now determined not by your own name, but by the names written on your heart. So God puts young people on your heart. Guess what? You've now got a decision to make. What are you going to do with your Friday nights now? You used to love those. Now you've got to give them up. Why? Because you're going to serve some young people. God puts the, the people on the street on your heart where well, you've got a decision to make, don't you? Are you going to sit comfy in your own home or are you going to get up and move? And you're going to go out there and meet with them and help them and feed them and clothe them and pray for them. What, if God lays it on your heart, it's for the purpose of decisions. So your decisions are now no longer determined by your own name. They're determined by the names that God lays on your heart. So who's on your heart? Who's on your heart? Here's the interesting thing. You don't get to choose who God puts on your heart. You don't get to choose, friend. Like God's like, all the tribes of Israel. Can you imagine Aaron's like, yeah, I don't like Benjamins. <laughs> that tribe of Benjamin, they do my head in. They're always, they never clean up after themselves. No, too bad. The name's on your heart. You don't get to decide. It could even be people of a very different tribe to you. And it's amazing how God uses people from very different tribes to reach those of a very different group of people. Yeah. And so you're sitting there going, oh, but I don't know, that's not my people. That's fine. If God lays it on your heart, He's calling you to go and to give your life in service for those people. I wonder if today we're making decisions in light of who God writes on our heart. Who God writes it. His, as I was preparing this message, I really felt stirred with this thought that some of us today have spent most of our lives making decisions with our own name only on our heart. All we think about is what I want, what I do, what I feel like. And so what suits me? How does it fit for me? Friend, you've got to listen to the voice of God and understand He's going to put some names on your heart and they're going to be the decisions that you make, right? You're going to make decisions for those people, not for yourself. The third question is this. Whom do I belong to? Exodus 28 verse 36 says this, you're to make a pure gold medallion and engrave it like the engraving of a seal. And this is the words written on the seal, holy to the Lord. Fasten it with a cord of blue yarn so it can be placed on the turban. The medallion is to be on the front of the turban. So for the last few years, I've had a little like side hobby thing that I do, which I which is that I coach high jump for like junior athletes. So when I was, uh, when I was younger, I was um, like a competitive high jumper and I loved it, loved the sport. And so my kids started getting into athletics and I would, we got involved in the club. So I just started, I'd been coaching uh, off and on for the last sort of 20 years. And so then I just started getting involved with the club. So every Wednesday night for the last three years, I've coached high jump down at the Pakaranga Athletic Club. And it's been amazing. Just junior athletes from like seven years old to 14 years old. And I absolutely love it. It's like a real tank filler for me 
But when you, when you are working with children, there's two different types of children. There's the focused and attentive children. And then there's the children I affectionately call the space cadets. Because they are on another planet. They're orbiting Saturn. They are they're somewhere out there in the cosmos, but they're not quite here. You know, they're the kids that when you give instructions, it's like the words are just falling through them. It's like trying to co catch water in a sieve. You're like, oh, buddy. Like when they look at you, they're not looking at you, they're looking through you. They're like. <laughs> the space cadets. In the first service, there was a mum who just went like this to me, pointed at her child right next to her. Pray for the first service, man. The space cadets. And there's been numerous times where I've had to grab a small child, mostly boys, and say, buddy, who do you belong to? Like, whose are you? Because right now I want to give you back to whoever's authority you are under. A lot of parents like to do the dump and run, right? They know they've got a space cadet. Let them orbit someone else for a while. Just going to pop him here. Buddy, who do you belong to? Where is your mum and dad? Like, whose are you, friend? I want, I'm appealing to who their authority is because I want them to go back there. The question I have for us, friends, is this. Who do you belong to? Maybe keys, you guys can come and join me now. It'll be, be amazing. Whose authority do you come under? Because as, as God is instructing the priest in what he's to wear, he says... On that medallion, on the very front of the turban, is going to say the words, holy to the Lord. Holy. Set apart. Called out. Owned by God. You're no longer yours. You are holy to the Lord. Set apart. Called out. Owned by the Lord. I love um, baptisms. You guys got baptisms next week, is it? Yeah, next week. I love baptisms. Uh, I was at the Botany Campus just last week, and I think we baptized 14 people, and just amazing hearing the stories and the testimonies. And One of them was my, my own son, Rocky. He got baptized. It was so cute. And uh, it's, so, it's so awesome because you're, you're watching these, these people go, stand up in front of everyone and go, I belong to him now. I'm not my own. I'm dying to myself, and publicly, I'm letting everyone know I'm his. I'm holy to the Lord. I'm called out and set apart. I'm holy to the Lord. And this medallion on the front of the turban was the most overt public display of who they belonged to. Just right there, boom, holy to the Lord. Everywhere they went, everyone who saw them, they knew, holy to the Lord. Not their own. Called out. Set apart, belonging to the Lord. Right there, right over their mind. So their decisions and actions and intentions and direction is no longer determined by them. It's determined by the call of God. So as one who's holy to the Lord, guess what? Your direction, intentions, actions are no longer determined by you because you're not yours anymore. You're holy to the Lord. Here's what I've learned after, I've been, this is my 21st year on staff at the Elam, 21 years. I started when I was eight. It's amazing. What a journey. 
Here's what I've learned. A lot of people want a Savior, but not many people want a Lord. A lot of people want a Savior, but not many want a Lord. God, save me from my sin. Save me from hell. Save me from my guilt and my shame. But God, don't tell me how to live my life. Don't, don't tell me I have to follow your word. Don't like that part. I want you to say, I want grace, but I want no accountability. God, I want you to save me from eternal separation from you, but I don't want to follow this or that. If you tell me to go there, I don't want to go. Wow. Jesus never said, um, take up the preferred version of your life and follow after me. He wasn't like, hey, just listen, do whatever you want and follow me. He's like, no, no. Uh, deny yourself. Die to you. Take up your cross and follow after me. In other words, you're, you're no longer yours. You're no longer yours. The direction, decisions, actions, words, deeds, no longer your choice. You're holy to the Lord. Now determines how you live your life. So for us as priests unto God, here's the challenge. The challenge is, are we willing to live that life of radical obedience? Where we don't just have a Savior, but we also have a Lord. Where it's not just, oh, yeah, God, I'll do it if it suits me. But it's like, God, if you ask me to, I'm going. If you say it, I'll do it. If it's your word, I'll live by it. If it's how you're asking me to do this thing, I'll do it that way. I'm going to align my life with your word, not trying to align your word with my life. Radical obedience. Why? Because you're holy to the Lord. You're a priest. You are set apart, called out, holy to the Lord. You now no longer live based on what you want, but based on the call of God for your life. God has a wonderful call for you. Great plan. Here's what's amazing. When you do say, I'm no longer living it my way, I'm going to do what God has called me to do, asked me to do, He will lead you into things you never dreamed possible and to a life beyond abundance. It's a wonderful thing. So friends, I wonder if you could say the same about your own life today. Who do you belong to? Are you, are you set apart and holy to the Lord or are you still holding on to your own life? Friends, I want to encourage you. Today's the day. Today's the day to surrender your life. Get right with God and be one who's set apart for the call of God on your life. I want to pray for us today. I've actually written a small prayer that I'd like to pray over us a couple of times. So if you want to just join with me, just bow your heads for a moment. I want to pray this prayer for us as individuals, but also us as a church. Just agree with me as I pray this. Lord, as followers of Jesus and priests unto you, may, we, may all we do be for those whose names we carry. May our decisions be determined by those you place on our hearts. And may we as a church live as ones holy to the Lord. Lord, as followers of Jesus and priests unto you, may all we do be for those whose names we carry. May our decisions be determined by those you place on our hearts. And may we as a church live as ones who are holy to the Lord. I want to pray one more prayer just while your, your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed. I want to pray for you today if you're here and you don't know Jesus. Maybe your life is not right with him. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow him before. But the honest truth is that you're here today, you're not right with God. Maybe you have been living your own way. 
Maybe you've even just been playing church. But friends, here's the truth. God loves you. God made you. God has a wonderful plan for your life. We all mess up. We all sin. We all fall short of God's standard. Our sin, it separates us from God. And the payment that's due for our sin is death. And God in His grace sent His own Son, Jesus, to a cross. When He died on that cross, He took upon Himself everything that you and I would do for our sin. Then He conquered death and the grave and He rose again to new life and He extends to every single person His free gift of grace. Forgiveness for all your wrongs, a brand new life that begins right here, right now. It's called being born again by the Spirit of God. God will make you a new person from the inside out. You get to walk into the great plans that God has for your life. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. And then there's this great promise of eternity in heaven with Him. And if you're here today and you're not right with God, but you want to be, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer with me right now. I'm going to pray this prayer out loud. You can pray it with me out loud if you want to. You can join along with me or you can pray it in your heart quietly. I don't mind. You just pray it with me if you want to get your life right with God today. Now, I want to say this. See this in the first service. I want to say it again. Don't pray this prayer if you just feel like it's an emotional moment or you're unsure, like it costs something to follow Jesus. It really does. You've got to be in this place where you're really willing to say, you know what, I'm going to give up my life and follow after him. But if you're ready, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Just join along. Just say these words. Say, God, today, I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned and I know I've messed up. But I believe, Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I turn from my old way and I turn to you. I ask you to come in, forgive me of my wrongs, and be my Lord and Savior today. I choose from this moment to follow you. Would you come in and make me brand new today? In Jesus' name. Just with your eyes still closed and every head bowed. If you pray that prayer, well done. Really proud of you. I want you to do something for me. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, if you pray that prayer, what I want you to do is when I get to three, put, I want you to put your hand up nice and high so I can see it. I'm not going to stand you up. I'm not calling you out. All I'm going to do is I'll see you. I'll acknowledge you. You can put your hand straight back down after that. What I'm asking you to do is take a little step of faith. Put a little bit of action to your decision. Are you ready? Be bold, be brave on the count of three. One, two. Three, hands going up nice and high right now. Awesome. Wow, wow. Thank you, 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 thank you. Thank you, brother. Right down the back, right down the back, up the front. Awesome, amazing, amazing, amazing. Come on, church, let's pray. Father, I thank you for every single person that just said yes to do. Lord, Lord, I pray that this would be the beginning of a life of radical obedience to you, Lord, knowing that you are good, that you love them, and that you have great plans for them.